That's it in Noah. Build yourself an archy archy animals came on by. Onesies and twosies, twosies, elephants and kangaroosies, roosies. So welcome to eternal happiness. Welcome to the good place. Sponsored by otters holding hands while they sleep. You know the way you feel when you see a picture of two otters holding hands? That's how you're going to feel every day. I'm a little concerned right now about your salvation and stuff. How come you have not been baptized? Because I never got around to it, okay? I don't know why you always have to be judging me. Because I only believe in science. But tonight, we are going up against Satan's caveman. And I just thought it would be a good idea if you... Felicidades. Here's my favorite part about that intro. Georgie and Ann, the giggle twins out here. Man, that is fantastic laughter. All right, thanks for being here. Uh, this is our last weekend in the series uh, that we've been calling God Talk, where we've been talking about what it means to talk about God uh, with our friends, with our family, with our neighbors, with our coworkers. Um, I loved the song that we started with right before here, uh, this For What It's Worth by Liam Gallagher tune, because it caused me to kind of go down memory lane a little bit and to think that in, in my life, you know, I've been a Jesus follower for quite a few years, and I think I've made some huge mistakes along the way. I think I've done, I think I've made people feel dumb. I, I think that uh, I've tried to be clever sometimes. Um, I wish I could say that all of that was uh, good intention, uh, but I know that I'm also full of myself a little bit sometimes. And uh, so I'm thankful as we lean into this that God is gracious, that he's slow to anger, that he's abounding in love, and that he's patient uh, with all of us who are carrying this story that we're calling the gospel. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. Uh, so today uh, we're asking the question, what does that mean for us? We've gone, uh, we've had a history lesson uh, that was super helpful that Sean opened up with and took us uh, through the process of, uh, process of saying, where have we been and how has the gospel message changed uh, through the years? Or rather, the, the container that the gospel message is held in is probably a different way of saying that. And uh, throughout the years, things change, culture changes, technology changes. We, we tell the story that doesn't change in, in new and fresh, innovative ways, uh, meaningful ways. That's, that was super helpful. If you didn't catch that first week, go back and catch that. And then uh, we uh, looked at some things that we said, you know, is, is this good? Is this bad and different? Um, these are some methods that we've used throughout the years. Is this really what should be happening right now? Is God calling us to new things? And we said, indeed, we think he is calling us to pay attention to what's happening around us and lean into the story in different ways. And uh, today we're asking, what does that mean for us? We're getting kind of down to the nitty gritty. Every one of our gatherings this weekend has been different because we're just having a conversation here. 
Um, but we're going to ask Sean to kick us off uh, today and maybe talk uh, kind of big picture, overall philosophy of uh, God talk at this point Yeah, for yeah, us. awesome. I, I was thinking about that this week, and uh, when we talk about this whole five-week series that we've been on, um, I'm, I'm asking the question, well, what does that mean for me? Uh, and I want to I think about us, but I want to sort of start with me. And so it really, for me, boils down to one thing, which I'll, I'll, I'll share in a second. But this month, I was reminded that 25 years ago, I started in full-time ministry. And I did some things before that and, you know, volunteered and had some part-time gigs and that sort of thing. But I found myself in March of 1993 looking at 80 to 90 middle school students, which can be kind of intimidating if you've never been there. And, uh, it, and it was fantastic. And I followed this guy who was sort of like a legend at the church I was at. And he did a great job. But he had scheduled something on his way out. And I didn't check into it. And what he scheduled was a traveling evangelist to come and speak to the middle school students. So, so there was this group that came, and they had drama, and they had music, and there was this traveling evangelist. Like, he would go around and, and, and share Jesus with people. And I didn't realize till later that he was only 20 years old, and he was just out there doing this thing. And uh, he, at the end of his talk, he sort of did this thing uh, that we used to call an altar call. Have you heard of these? You know, it's like there's an altar down in the front of the church. And, and, and somebody calls you, usually the preacher calls you forward to make some sort of decision. And, uh, and he didn't kind of quite do it exactly like that, but he did something a little bit different. He said, no, nobody can leave here tonight without making a decision. Everybody has to get off the fence. Like either it's one way or the other way. And so he told the students, if you want to follow God, come to the front of the room. And if you don't want to follow God, go to the back of the room. Do you see the problem here? And so um, I was standing on the fence in the middle, and I wouldn't get off. <laughs> and, uh, and I kind of froze. I wish I would have grabbed the mic from him and kind of taken control of the group because I didn't, I didn't like where it was going for a while, but I was a little uh, discombobulated and intimidated. And, um, and I saw all these adults and students go to the front except for one eighth-grade boy, one person by himself, Separated from everybody else, all alone, Mm. being different. In a subculture where you're really not allowed to stand out and be different. Do you remember what middle school was like? John, do you remember what middle school (laughs) was like? Yeah, I usually call it like Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And then, I'll never forget this moment. It's seared into my memory. It's pivotal for me. I'm glad it happened early on in ministry for me. My intern, who was just a couple years younger than me, walks across the room, and he puts his arm around this young man and just stands there with him in solidarity. You see, I believe to the core of my being that if we are going to do God talk well, then it necessitates that we are willing to be with people. That we will be where they are emotionally, in proximity, physically, mentally, spiritually. That we 
will go. If the incarnation informs anything about how we do God talk, so incarnation, the fact that God had a bod, that, 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 that Jesus leaves heaven and he, and he comes and he takes on human flesh, and he, and he doesn't just take on human flesh, but he understands the human experience. He knows what it's like to face the things that you and I face. If the incarnation informs our God talk at all, it insists that we move in proximity towards the person that we're doing God talk with. And so you have this pivotal uh, verse at the beginning of this Gospel of John, which is, is one of the four first uh, sort of biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament part of the Bible. And right away it says that the Word, talking about Jesus, became flesh, took on human nature, and made his dwelling among us. Literally, he camped out. He stayed for a while. And then it says that we beheld his glory, like we saw his glory, his glory, his, his, his love, his justice, his beauty, his holiness, his goodness, his faithfulness, all the things that, that really make up the character of God. He shows us what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, then you look at Jesus. And it says he came full of grace and truth. And then you go to the very end of the Gospel of John. Not quite the last chapter, but the chapter before. And he's with his disciples, his closest followers. He's getting ready to send them out into the world. And what he tells them is, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Jesus left everything. And he came to us and identified with us. And he lived As a Palestinian Jew, 2,000 years ago, he wore the clothes, he ate the food, he went to the parties, he hung out. This is the implication of the incarnation. And then just a couple chapters later in John chapter 3, it says, for God so loved. And that's the undergirding, that's the undercurrent, that's the undertow of everything between the incarnation and then Jesus sending his disciples out. And so for me, it boils down to this idea of proximity, being with people. We can't be with everybody. We have to make wise choices, and sometimes people don't want to be with us. So there's wisdom that goes into God talk as well. But as a big overview and sort of a nugget for me, that's what I'm taking away from this series. Hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I think that, that whole concept of incarnation, we flesh it out. Jesus came in the flesh, and now we get to do the same. We get to flesh it out. Well, one of the things it means for me besides proximity is it means we're human. And anyone we're going to have a God talk conversation with is also human. I, I guess you could talk to the birds and squirrels and things like St. Francis, Francis or St. John. I like getting my St. Francis yeah, I, on. I know you do. I know. I, I do. But, I do like that. But we're having these conversations. They have something to say, by the way. They say back, things back to you? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm not getting too weird. But, you know, I, I just think, I think. I don't want to get on rabbit trail, but all creation is singing the song that <laughs> I think, rabbit. like God, God implanted the song in creation. You know, there's, there's something, I don't know, there's something beautiful about being out in the middle of that and hearing from God. So go for it. You're a beautiful human, John. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so there's this idea that we're human. And sometimes the story that, that Sean talked about in this junior high group that day, the speaker was doing something to those kids that said, you're not human. Because when we treat someone as human, we give them the dignity of 
uh, of their journey. We give people the dignity of being able to say, this is where I am in the story. This is where I am in the journey. And we are not all in the same place. And we are not all ready to make a decision about anything today. So when it comes to faith in Jesus, which is a big thing, we're not all ready to make a decision about him today. And so to treat a group of people like they are is to remove their humanity from them. So when we start thinking about God talk, think about people as humans, not, not as targets, not as projects, not as someone to convert, but as humans, people whom God loves. So people will ask me sometimes about our gatherings in here that's like, when you're, because there's been, there's been debate about this over the last generation or so, they go, when you're talking to the church, are you, are you preaching to Christians or are you preaching to non-Christians? I'm talking to humans. Because we all have the same need. We all have a need to hear the grace and mercy and compassion and holiness of our creative God. Hmm. We all have that need because we're human. So when I try to engage in God talk, it's really, it's not, it's not to notch my belt or to get another convert or anything. It's to say they're human beings that I have something about God that I want people to know. Yeah. And I want to share that with them in a, in a dignified manner. I think one of the things we need to do, too, that has been a, a habit for me, it's been super helpful. I really encourage us to do this. And it's stop using the non and the unwords mm. to describe people. So are you speaking to Jesus followers or? Or non-Jesus followers. Non-Jesus No, 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 no. no. Right. No, no, no. It, it, we need to stop using those things. It is people. You know, anytime you call somebody an un-something or a non-something, it's, it, it, it strips them of the humanity. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing uh, that's super helpful is if we're going to treat people as human beings, regardless of who they are, then uh, we re- need to remember that it, even if we are a Jesus follower, that we are a human being, which means that um, w- we live life kind of unedited. Right? Everybody has to be able to see that we are human and how God is meeting us in the middle of all of that. Um, so it's, it's very counterproductive for us to just worry about cleaning up our act and, and being, um, you know, prim and proper. Uh, like, of course, God is changing us and shaping us and carving away things out of us that don't belong there? Uh, of course, be, be who you are, but don't be afraid. Um, you know, if, if you raise your voice in your home and your neighbor heard that, don't think that you're going to destroy uh, God talk with them. Uh, maybe there's an occasion, to, you know, where you can talk about how God is healing you through those things, but wear your scars, you know? Well, you did a good job just introducing this conversation this morning, just saying, hey, I'm not always what I want to be. I'm not always who I want to be. You used up various terms for it, but that's really helpful in talking about who God is in our lives, in in my life. Hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about then what we create here on the weekends, how we engage here on the weekends, and maybe like things we do with outreach or how we do uh, like our, our children's ministry, Kids Fest. Uh, because I think we're very intentional. Everybody who's right. leading those areas is very intentional about creating a space for these things. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it'd be helpful if we all could think about this. When you come into our gatherings on the weekend, to have your radar going, have your antennas up if you have antennas, which would mean you're not human, but uh, <laughs> to be looking around for, how do they do that? 
how do they do that? Uh, why do they do that? And, and you can ask that like, why do they do that? I don't like that. Or you can go, I wonder what is behind that. We don't do very much around here that we just fall into. We do things very strategically and intentionally. And so when we're talking from God's word, when we ta- have some up front saying, let's talk about God a little bit, we're trying to model for all of us, this is part of how we talk about God. This is the kind of language we use or don't use when we're talking about God. When we bring music in, you know, sometimes we do songs that are written by uh, artists that follow Jesus and love Jesus. And sometimes we have, uh, we do songs like today. I don't know Mr. Gallagher. I don't know if he's a follower of Jesus or not. But we did, we did that song today and, and did it amazingly. And then, John, you set it up and said, here's why. Because it's all about forgiveness and reconciliation and all this beautiful thing. Well, there... There are tools all through our culture that people have created that we can use uh, as door openers for the gospel story. Hmm. And I think, I think it's wise for us just to be looking for them. So we're constantly looking for them. And, you know, the musicians among us are listening to songs all the time and go, what, what songs are out there that would tell the story of Jesus well among us? And if you're a music fan, you're going to hear things. You go, oh, that's a... That's a beautiful thing that talks about life, and God created life, and how do I speak God's story into life from this song? Uh, you said, I, I got a chance to hear the podcast from last week. I was gone watching baseball in Arizona, which is fantastic, but uh, I got to listen to the podcast. If you've missed any of these conversations or talks, go back to the podcast and listen. John, you talked about music being the loudest prayer in our culture, and I thought, that's such a great description of any kind of song mm-hmm. you know where where can you find a prayer in the song that you're listening to they're they're everywhere and this today was a great example of that mm. that's good i had uh, a friend come up to me uh today and hand me such a great mm-hmm. gift um he handed me a book that he just wrote called structured thoughts and fond memories and it is full of haiku poetry do you remember haiku poems or do you do haiku poems? I love haiku poems. They're super fun. I really do. And uh, this is great. His name is Dick, and Dick handed me this. He wrote haiku poems just a few minutes ago. He gave this to me. Yeah. Uh, that as he sits here on the weekend, uh, he writes haikus as he's sitting right here to kind of uh, tell his story and flesh out his own story and, 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 uh, and his prayers, right? I think this is absolutely amazing, and it made me think about how we tell our own story. I think this is going to be a good tool uh, for him and a good conversation starter as he, I know he's planning on giving this to all of his friends. Uh, this, is, this is fantastic. Let's, let's talk about our own, our own stories and shaping our own stories. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Let me, let me talk a little bit more about that, John. So okay. here's a guy who's sitting taking notes in the gathering in haiku form. Who does that? He a, does. <laughs> a poet does. So we have Graham sitting over here, and the way he takes notes is he draws. He was one of, when we were doing a, a few months ago, we were doing um, graphic art while we were talking. What is that? Uh, what's the name? Live scribing? Live scribing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was doing that for us on the big, on the big boards, but he, that's how he takes notes on the message. He gets them done, he sends, them to, sends us a copy of them. So I'm like, that's the message, right? In, in like, 
graphic art. It's so cool. And when I, when I take notes, I'm like line by line by line by line. Oh, that's a good <laughs> word. Let's get right. You know, it's like that's who I am. So now you have at least three different ones of us who are taking notes different ways. Why? Because we're humans who are different from one another. Yeah. And yet the story gets recorded in unique, beautiful ways. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a key phrase right there, too. We're humans that are different from one another. And, and really, this whole idea of, of, of doing God talk, um, it necessitates this idea of learning and becoming a student. Because we are different. We have these different journeys. We're all human, but, but, but it's complex, and it's messy, and, and, and you don't necessarily know where somebody's at until you ask and begin to learn. There's an old saying that the, the most effective preachers know their culture so well that they can speak into their culture. And there's different approaches to this, believe it or not. I mean, we can be a very anti-cultural church where we can idealize some form of Christianity or some form of church in the past and say, we are frozen in time and this will become our future. There's a whole group of people that live in Pennsylvania that do that. And they're called the Amish. They have frozen in time. And some awesome churches, beards. And awesome beards. Yes, you're halfway there. You need the hat. We'll get you going. There's a horse and buggy waiting. Okay. And, um, you know, and, and, and sometimes, you know, we want to go back to some fond place in church history. Sometimes people will say, well, we need to be a New Testament church. And I'll say, well, what do you mean by that? You want to wear the garb? You really want to go all out? Like, like what do we talk? You want to live in a patriarchal culture? Like, like what, what, are you, what are you really talking about? And so we can be anti-cultural. We can be counter-cultural, too. Where we look at the culture, it's going to hell in a handbasket, and so, so we kind of make our own culture, but we steal all the bells and whistles from the culture, and so we have our own music companies, and we have Christian dating sites on, on the internet, and we have Christian sports leagues, and all these different things. We have Christian diet programs, and, and stuff like that, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I wasn't just looking, yeah. Were you, you gave looking me a dirty at me look. when you, you just said gave that? Me, you know, Did so, you just introduce you know, me to a Christian so, diet program? Yeah. <laughs> You try it and report back, John. Yes, yes. Your, your diet needs to be saved. We'll you, get you going. are a jerk. I love you. Forgive me. <laughs> There's nothing wrong in and of those things. And I, I've married people that have met on the Internet. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. But we can take those to an extreme. And we can, I use this phrase all the time, we can ghettoize ourselves out of the world and build the wall. And then we are not salt and we are not light. We are not Jesus who left everything and emptied himself and came to us and sat in the messiness of what it means to be human. And so one of the things that we can do, here's a real practical thing. When you're, when you're with somebody, uh, begin to practice the art of asking questions. One of the greatest compliments that you can give to somebody else is to learn how to tell their story and learn how to tell it well. And then earn permission to tell your story. Maybe you don't tell the whole thing right away. Maybe you're just telling little bits of your story. And I found that in my own journey, it helps to write the story down. Because when you put pen to paper, it forces you to clarify what's in your brain and what's in your heart. And to get it, get it out on paper. And so if you've never done that, and maybe you can't write it in a haiku, but maybe you can just journal it. Maybe you need to write it in bullet points. Maybe. Yeah. Really exciting way to write your story, Brad. I love you. Thanks for that, Sean. Yeah, no, I was kidding. <laughs>
So I keep some filters too. We keep some filters here that we use as a church. You, you may adopt some of these. You may create some of your own filters for how do you communicate with people. But we have some, like some filters that we pass things through in terms of what we're going to do here at Lakeside. So we want to know, is, is something that we're going to say, is it going to be engaging? Are people going to go, oh, I'm in? Because I think the people, there are st- stories in the gospel where it says they love to listen to Jesus talk. Why? Because he was engaging. But then at the same time, he was provoking. He, he provoked them. It's like he poked them sometimes. And Jesus would not be Jesus. He would not be the one that we, uh, that we uh, follow after if he didn't p- provoke sometimes. But we want to do the same things, both in our gatherings here and in our God conversations. Uh, another part of our filter is to be helpful and relatable. It's like you can be provocative, but if you're not helpful, you, you're just going to make people angry. So we, we, there's another filter, relatable, helpful. Another one for us is interactive and participatory. It's not, just, it's not just us talking, and it's not just us living the life with Christ. It's us engaging in that together. It's us engaging in that with our world. And those filters help us in that God conversation. Yeah. And when you say provoke, you're not saying be a jerk. I'm not saying be a jerk. Introduce people to a diet program. <laughs> you're not and I'm s- not saying you should call your brother a jerk. <laughs> the, the program's no, 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 no. helpful, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying no. is... <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, so you're not saying be a jerk. Uh, and uh, you're not saying uh, like, prove yourself right or... Be yeah, angry or be a shock jock. Right. I'm not saying any of those things. Right. I am saying stimulate others to think. So often we're not helping people think, their, think about their lives. And often we don't think about our own lives. And provoking someone else to think or provoking someone else to feel something. Hmm. Like to feel, to feel something about my choices, to feel something about my sin, to feel something about the way I've been thinking. You know, there's a lot of ways that are provoking without being... A jerk about yeah, it. that's that, that's good because you know I, I hear a lot from followers of Jesus. I want to grow. I want something to impact me. Mm-hmm. And um, in my experience, most of our growth comes out of these moments of pain, uncomfortableness. Re- read the Gospels. Put yourself in Peter's shoes. He follows Jesus for three years, and Jesus calls him Satan. I mean, think about how emotionally that must have felt to him to be that off base and have it right out there. And now we're all reading about it 2,000 years later. You see, it's this idea, if you can imagine like three boxes. In the first box, your life is all ordered and and it's there and and you've kind of gotten it together and you kind of have your answers and this is kind of my journey that I'm on. Growth happens when we enter into the next box, which is, from order to disorder. Some people call it deconstruction. Because unless we've arrived, unless we are fully there, and Jesus just better come and take us, you know, right now because there's no more growth for us, we need to be deconstructed in some ways. We don't have it all nailed down. And that's a painful, um, stressful, uh, emotionally draining process. But we can't stay there, and God never leaves us there because he wants to get us to the third box, which which is a reordering or a reorienting. And the thing about 
the Christian life, the well-crafted life as we call it, is that we go through that again and again and again and again. And so to, not to be afraid of it, but to embrace this idea of, oh, I've been, I've been provoked a little bit and, I, and, and, and hopefully it's helpful and I can hold on to some things because I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to grow from that. Yeah. So another way of saying this maybe on the weekend is we're not afraid to say the tough things mm-hmm. ever, um, but we want to explain what it is we're right. talking about, why we said it. We're not watering anything down. It's not milk toast. Jesus following. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, so we can we can talk about the tough stuff here, but we do it in love. Yeah. Speaking the yeah, speaking the truth in love. Jesus was recognized as the Son of God because he spoke with grace and truth, full of grace and truth, and that's hugely challenging for us to keep that tension. But that's the calling that Jesus gives to us. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I would, I'd like to share something with you guys that I keep in the front of my Bible. Um, and it's a, it's a prayer that I, I start my week with, my day with. It's just a, it's a, it's a perspective. Um, helps put me in the right, uh, right place to be able to listen to people's stories and see the story that God is shaping inside of me. And if any of you want this, email me. John Bulls, lakesidechurch.com. I'll send this to you. But um, it's just a set of questions. Uh, who am I going to meet today? What will I be surprised by today? What new experience will I create for myself today? What am I going to read today? What am I going to eat today? What will I listen to today? What am I going to make today? What am I going to imagine today? Who am I going to encouraged today? Where will I spend some personal time today? What conversations will I have today? How will I greet nature today? (laughs) How will I play today? What will God say to me today? What will I say to God today? What will I say yes to today? And I think I ask those questions because I think for all of us, um, those are all of the areas that were broken, our relationship uh, with, with God, with one another, with the world, with ourselves. Um, and so as we're shaping our story, or God is shaping our story, and we're paying attention to those details, and as we're, um, you know, partnering with God really to kind of set ourselves up for him to speak new things into our story, and as, especially as we're listening to other people's story, I think those are good questions to ask. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, this, this has been good. Um, we've had so many good conversations through the series. I'm kind of sad to see it end. But if you guys want to talk anymore, if you want to go out to coffee, if you want to go out to sushi, you pay for it. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, I'm game. It'd be good. Or email us, call us. be fantastic. Would you pray with us? Lord, thank you for this series. Thank you for the questions. Uh, Thank you for the conversation. Uh, Thank you that it has sharpened all of us. Uh, Thank you that you're teaching us uh, new things. Um, God, that you're inviting us into something that is uh, beautiful. And uh, you're perfect, but uh, everything we're talking about is imperfect and it's messy. 
and you choose to still uh, deal with us, work through us, uh, it's an amazing thing. Lord, thanks for being patient. We love you. Amen. Yeah, amen. All right.